Colter Nuanas from ESPN Montana here at the M Store. Proud to present our Nuanas Now podcast each and every day, available on all of your various podcast hosting platforms. One of their awesome partners, a guy that really is uh, helping spread the word about the M Store, is Grizz All American Junior Bergen. What's up, man? Thanks for coming in. Yes, thank you for having me. First of all, you got a cool t shirt. What's it like being on a t shirt? You're a kid from Billings, Montana, so that, yeah. might, that must be kind of surreal knowing there's a t shirt of you at the M Store. Yeah, it's pretty cool. Um, I went to a couple basketball games back home. And uh, I saw some kids running around with I their love shirt it. on. And it was really surreal. It was a cool moment, cool experience for sure. Uh, that's so cool. You guys do such a good job of embracing how much the community loves you. But when people are looking up to you like they do, I mean, they think, I mean, you're the man right now. for <laughs> <laughs> the University of Montana. What's yeah. that like being a Montana kid? Um, it's different for sure. Um, you know, growing up, you kind of look up to guys like who are in the NFL totally. and stuff like that. But, um, you know, it's just great to have a, a positive influence on these kids' lives. Um, you know, I just wanted to make sure... Uh, I set the example and lead by example and give them someone to look up to. Go check out the M Store. They're located there at the corner of Higgins and Broadway here in the city of Missoula. And you can also visit anytime online, MontanaMStore.com. They have all the latest and greatest, a whole bunch of original Grizz gear. And, of course, they have Junior Bergen T-shirts. Junior Bergen, proud partner with the M Store, as well as us here at uh, ESPN Montana. Thanks for swinging by, man. Yes, sir. Thank you for having me. The M Store, where they're all Grizz all the time. Gus, the first meal I had outside my own home following the quarantine was at your house. Brought over a bunch of meat. I brought over my Alpine Touch, but I didn't bring it home. I forgot it at your place. Our first meal was made better, as every meal is made better by Alpine Touch on basically everything. I put Alpine Touch hickory smoke on my cereal in the morning. <laughs> It's, it's reached that level of usage. And the fact that you left it, I knew that you left it at my house. You brought it over, left it at my house. And like a real jerk, I said nothing to you because I was like, well, that's mine, dude. That's it. You came to my house. You left it in my house. And I'm eating all of it. We've gotten so far into this Alpine Touch obsession, I think, that I just think we might be able to host a podcast about all the things that you can make with Alpine Touch. It would be short. Everything. (laughs) They have a bunch of different varieties of spices, as we know. Uh, They are local from the state of Montana. Shoto, shout out, original Alpine Touch. And it's great when it's not just local, when it's not just supporting the state of Montana, but when it's also actually the best thing that you can get. I mean, when it comes to spices, uh, it's second to none. So, boys and girls, use your Alpine Touch. Colter, tell them where they can get it. AlpineTouch.com, no matter where you're at in the entire world listening to this, if you are in the United States of America and you make an order of over $50, which, you know, if you get yourself the Grand Slam and maybe some barbecue sauce, some sunflower seeds, you're there. Free shipping anywhere in the United States of America right now. Uh, so go to AlpineTouch.com. They're rolling out all their summer Big Mountain flavor packages. The sunflower shoots are really, really good as well. Alpine Touch has got you covered. Alpine Touch, Montana's special spice. Hey! Now from the Kurtz Polaris studio, here is Ryan Tutel and Coulter Nuanez. Thank you, Jim. Tutel and Nuanez, 1029 ESPN Radio. Happy to be with you on this very fine Tuesday. Hope you're having a wonderful day. If you missed anything in the first hour, go ahead and check it out on our podcast, including our conversation with Kellen Dietrich, who's coming out of Haver. Great conversation with that young man. The uh, ESPN to Tell and Nuanas podcast available on all your favorite podcasting platforms. Just rate, re- subscribe, and review. 
Listen at your leisure on your time. The uh, podcast available thanks to Blackfoot Communications and Alpine Touch. You want to call? 361-3688 is the phone number. All guests join us via the Rangish Brothers RV phone line. Uh, by the way, before we get into uh, some of this NBA stuff, and I got a, a question for you, Coulter, on it specifically, but uh, this has just been uh, tweeted out. This is from Scott Breen, who is the uh, sports uh, director at KTVQ. And uh, they have an article now up at montanasports.com. But uh, there will be no fans now allowed at high school games this fall until further notice. Now, there's two different parts here. The story is in Yellowstone County. Okay, that's specific to Yellowstone County. But there's also a tweet that says, uh, just announced no fans or spectators will be allowed to MHSA sporting events until further notice. And so that, that feels much broader like a statewide edict. So we have both one that doesn't necessarily draw geographic bounds, and then we got one that says Yellowstone County. So again, we're trying to get a little bit more clarity on the confirmation on this, but uh, you know, at least for the time being, there are, it looks like there are going to be some restrictions on fans' attendance at high school sports this fall, and uh, whether that's going to be, first of all, the duration of it, we don't know. Second of all, the is it the entire scope of the whole state, or is it just county-specific? We're also trying to find that out, but that is uh, at least in part already being implemented, so we'll work to uh, get get some clarity on it. Uh, it is Tutel Nuanas. It is ESPN Radio, and we are happy to be on board with you and Coulter. The NBA playoffs are ongoing, my friend. Day two of the NBA playoffs uh, and uh, still game one of the first rounds being played uh, right now. Earlier today, the Miami Heat beat the Indiana Pacers 113-101, 12-point win for the Heat uh, in that contest. And right now, Houston is uh, winning early on over OKC. They're still in the first quarter there. And again, we will take you out to the uh, remainder of that game. Most of the second half we will get you to for the Thunder uh, and uh, and the Houston Rockets. But earlier today, the Orlando Magic... Had the upset of the first round, a 12-point win, 122-110 over the uh, heavily favored, not just in the round, but in the entire conference, Eastern Conference, Milwaukee Bucks, uh, the 122-110 Final for Orlando. Now, this is a seven-game series, and this is one game. And only one game, I recognize it. But because it is one game, and maybe Milwaukee goes on to win the next four, this might be the only time I get to answer, you know, ask you this question in the light of current events, day of events. So here's what I want to know, Coulter. Does the win today, and particularly if we extrapolated this out in Orlando, all of a sudden suddenly started to surge and push or, you know, Again, long way away, but even win this series over Milwaukee. Would that change in your mind, alter in your mind, anything about the legitimacy of what we're watching in the NBA bubble? No, I think it would just reemphasize the legitimacy and validity of home court advantage in the NBA Mm. playoffs. I think a team like... I think that, first of all, what I've seen in the playoffs is that the NBA has always been a game of runs, but the runs are even more prolific because there's not a home court advantage. The other thing I've seen is the best players are 
absolutely at their best right now. And I think there's a variety of reasons for that. I think one, they're fresh because they got a big break. I think two, they're hyper-focused because um, there's not a lot of distractions in the bubble. And I think three, I think that the, the narrative internally in the NBA is how much this playoffs means to the league, to the players that play in the league, and to the people that watch the league for a variety of reasons. I think that the NBA is probably the most socially conscious of the professional sports leagues. It's also, when you break down NBA rosters, the largest number of, of uh, African-American athletes play in the NBA c- compared to other sports. It'd be interesting to break it down compared to football, but I, I do think that the rosters are uh, the largest percentage black in the NBA compared to all other pro sports. And, and that's what the majority of the uh, racial unrest that has existed in America over the last half a year has centered upon um, racial justice, specifically for black people in the United States. Right. And I think that these athletes, they know that they know that they're, I think that the majority of, of players in the NBA that are Americans come from urban areas that have probably been more afflicted by both COVID and race riots than anywhere else in the country. So I think that these guys are playing for something greater than themselves as well. I think that they see it as an opportunity to save the psyche of the American public, both via entertainment, but also just through um, coming together and showing people what it's like to work in chemistry, to work in harmony, how people from different backgrounds can get along. And so I think that all of those things are motivating factors. And so I don't necessarily think, like if the Magic were to upset the Bucks, I don't think it would demean this format as much as... Uh, I do think that the there's a, a bunch of different teams that have a bunch of different narratives because of the bubble. I think that the more veteran that you are, the more veteran leadership that you have, the less that not having the home court advantage will afflict you. The Bucks have never been here before. They've never been the number one seed. They've never been one of the three favorites to win the championship. This iteration of the Bucks, it's been years and years, if not decades, when the Bucks were real, true NBA title decades. contender. Decades. And so that's a dynamic that would exist, period, no matter if they were playing in Milwaukee or Orlando or, in this case, also Orlando. Yeah. The uh, so they got to figure out how to they have to figure out how to take that pressure on, but also I think that they're one of the teams that's hindered by not being able to play in front of their home court. There's a lot of good home court advantages in the league, but I just I don't I think that a guy like a team like the Lakers led by a guy like LeBron James not having the home court advantage throughout the Western Conference playoffs is not less impact. It's not going to hinder them yeah. as much as it hinders the Bucks. Totally agree with you on that. Um, Within the course of this specific game, first of all, I don't think it's close that if you put together a ratio that divides how good a player is by notoriety, like how you know, LeBron is a great player, but also everybody knows who LeBron James is. So he comes out like even on this sort of, you know, mathematical, you know, scale that I'm putting together here, right? Jokic, on the other hand, he's a great player, and not nearly as many people know who he is, so his value in terms of skill to notoriety is much higher. Does that make sense, what I'm saying? Without question, the guy who has the highest value to notoriety quotient, and it ain't close in this league, is Nikola Vucevic. Vucevic is 
so great. I mean, he he, great. he may not be an all pro level guy, but he is approaching he's that. A, he's an all star. That though. level, he he's an all star player, and he is anonymous. Part of it's because he plays for Orlando. Part of it is just because he hasn't yet been in that place where he's getting getting the looks that everybody else is getting. But, but also, he had also also there's always a distinct dynamic of. There, you can't just look at statistics when you're ranking NBA players because some of the guys that are the most statistically prolific players in the league bad are teams. the guys yeah. that are the best players on bad no, teams. No, no doubt. And I think that he needed to prove that he wasn't just that. And the when he what when he first started putting up twenty and tens, they were terrible. And now he's putting up. I mean, he averaged nineteen point six and eleven rebounds per game this year. So twenty and eleven. That's rare air right there. I bet you there's five guys in the league that went 20 and 11 this year. Mm-hmm. And he did it on a team that's a seventh seed in the playoffs. They're not by no means elite yet, but I actually love the Magic Core. I think they have a chance to be pretty darn good. Uh, and he's definitely a centerpiece and an unknown centerpiece like yours. 35 points today, and he's a true center, and he went five of eight from beyond the arc. I mean, welcome to the new NBA, okay? When your center is leading your team from uh, from from long range. So huge points for him. Uh, and then to Kupo today, 31. One point, so he was great as well, 12 of 25. But Chris Middleton, only 4 of 12, 2 of 6 from beyond the arc. So at least from a scoring standpoint, not great. Six six rebounds, four assists for Middleton. So uh, the 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 Bucks got to be better. All I'm going to say is I, I'm, I, I said, and I'm not backing off of the idea that this – this is not a championship, a playoff that should or will get any type of asterisks, no matter what happens outside of if guys get sick and can't play. Okay. But if I may draw an analogy to the NHL, which I know you have been waiting with anticipation to hear Just from died. me. Just died. Can't wait. The Boston Bruins were by far the best team in the NHL in the regular season. They accrued the most points. They're the only team to break 100. Nobody, I think, was in within six points of them in terms of, of the total points. You know, you get you know points for winning, points for ties, overtime wins, that kind of thing in the, in the NHL. They were the number one seed. They would have won the President's Trophy for being the number one seed. They take all this time off. They come back. They play a round robin, a three-game round robin for seeding. They do awful. It's only three games, so it's such a small sample size, and they're playing other good teams, Tampa Bay, Washington, and so on, and they lose, and they end up as the four seed, when they, you know, earned over the course of the the long term of what was not a full season, but much, you know, 75, 80% of a full season, a one seed, and then they end up having a 4-5 matchup in the first round with a very good Carolina team. Now, they are up in that series three games to one, okay? They, 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 they are looking like they're in good shape to at least uh, uh, move beyond that. But I sit here and go, you know, I thought the round-robin thing made a lot of sense because you need to get games under the belts of these teams as they return before they start heading into the the playoffs, so to speak. But, man, that's a lot of weight to just erase everything you did over the course of four or five months, and then you got three games to prove what you are, and your seating can go from the top to the middle just like that and and be influential about the path that you have to take. Now look, if you're the best team, you got to, you know, okay, then then prove it. But that seems to me a significant uh, a question mark that I have to sit here and go, well wait, Boston not only isn't the one seed, but they're in fact the four seed going into the Eastern Conference play- playoffs. That's not that's not right. Now if they win this series, which it looks like they will, then I guess all is well with the world and it shakes out and they prove that they are the better team. But 
I think there are question marks that are worth having when teams who've had a ton of time off come back and go, uh, you know, they're either not able to shake the rust off or, you know, you have the chemistry and everything's rolling. You got all that momentum and everything comes to a screeching halt and it's hard to recapture that. At Blackfoot Communications, we're experts at keeping your business technology up and running from networks and security to communications and 24-7 support. Our team works with you to understand your technology demands, then deploys the right solution for your unique needs. Whether your company is just starting out or is looking to take the next step, Blackfoot is here to help. Call 866-541-5000 or visit goblackfoot.com slash business. Blackfoot, connect to more. The flip side of this coin, and we've talked about this a lot, the Blazers are playing the Lakers tonight. We love the Blazers, and we have spoken quite a lot about how the Blazers now that you know, they get Nurkic back and they get a few other players that have been injured for long periods of time that wouldn't have been able to play that are now able to play. Well, let's see what the Blazers are full speed ahead. That's great. You want everybody to be healthy. But also, if you're an opponent of the Blazers, you go, well, look, injuries are part of the sport that we play. Guys are, you know, have sprained ankles or tweaked, have major injuries, minor injuries, and so forth and so on. And all of a sudden, nobody's playing the blame game. We understand the circumstances. But this is a team that, you know, it was their bad luck that they were compromised, that they weren't 100%. And you know what that would be? A whole bunch of teams around the NBA every season coming into the playoffs after an 82-game slate. And so the fact that they were able to benefit more than other teams from this break is also, I'm not saying that it's unfair, but it's an asymmetry. It is an, uh, certainly an uh, uh, an anomaly from what a, another season would have been. And the Lakers are now staring down an eight seed that ain't an eight seed. You know what I'm saying? They're, sure. they're playing a first-round game that isn't a – it's a very, very good team. It's certainly not the eighth-best team in the West. It's more like maybe the fourth or fifth-best team in the West. Yeah, it's a valid argument, but also uh, just because the Blazers' injuries were more significant and detrimental, it does not necessarily mean that they have uh, some sort of a different advantage. Not one team in the NBA was 100% healthy from top to bottom. When the when the break started, so everybody's got a chance to. And here's the other argument I would make: getting Yusuf Nurkic back from being completely inactive to in the lineup is certainly impactful. Getting Zach Collins back from completely inactive to back in the lineup is impactful. It's not as impactful as having LeBron James get three months off. It's not as impactful as having. Russell Westbrook get three months off because now those guys can take it to a completely different level. See, if the playoffs would have just rolled right into it, even though we consider them to be superhuman in a lot of ways that they are, you can't you can't understate how big it is for those guys to get some time off, especially guys like LeBron who know how to take care of himself. I, I, you are you are right in in saying that the time off is very beneficial, especially to veteran star players. Okay, but I completely disagree with you to say that it is it is more beneficial to the Lakers to have a better version of LeBron James when they were going to have LeBron James anyway than to have a zero with your third best player in Yusuf Nurkic in in Portland who is not available at all and now is available. I mean, the jump from zero to your third best player on the team and also a guy who's different from your two best players who are backcourt players is a a giant, giant upgrade for your club. 
LeBron James going from 85% to 99% is also a major upgrade for your club, but I don't. I think the the greater benefit is had by the Blazers in this. Really? Yes. Because in the playoffs, superstars win games, period. Yusuf Nurkic might help mitigate some stuff, but he ain't winning you anything. I, he, he, I watched him win the Blazers basketball games in this eight-game stretch. Watched it happen. I mean, he might have helped, but Damian Lillard was the one winning the games. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I think the superstars... And Lillard also got time off that benefited him, right? You did. No question. But he is younger. He's, you know, maybe more able to be ready to go than than LeBron is. I don't know. It's an interesting conversation point. Back to your t- talking points, though, about the NHL. I, I think that hardly ever in the NBA do we see the results of the regular season be all for naught. Hardly ever do we see a team win 60 games and then get rolled in the first round. It hardly ever happens. And the NHL seems like it's a little bit more common where you can have some upsets, and there has been eights that beat ones. Yep. And I think when that happens, although it's fun for the general sporting public, it also renders a lot of what that team accomplished largely irrelevant. Yes. We have it last year with the Tampa Bay Lightning, yep. right? Yep. And they set the record for points in a season by yep. overall the, points in a season, and then they didn't even make it out of the first they, round. They get swept, in fact. That's brutal. Brutal. But it also happens in baseball, too. Mm-hmm. When the team wins 100-something games and then they lose to the wild card, it's just infuriating because it's almost like, why the hell do we play all these games if that's what it's just going to come down to? But also, it's on them. It's their fault. you know. And they didn't rise to the occasion. They didn't take advantage of the opportunity. But back to the original question here. It doesn't demean to me what the accomplishment is because I think the playing field has been leveled when it comes to this bubble situation in Orlando. I think it all comes down to just who's embracing uh, the the current state of affairs. I got one more question for yeah. you, and then I want to get into the Persingas a little bit. But you said home home court advantage is is you know doesn't exist here. Mm-hmm. Doesn't exist at all for the Orlando Magic. Well, no one's going there. <laughs> Uh, no, I, under, I mean, I understand there's no fans. They were as, to sleep in their own bed, maybe. Here's one thing I thought was a, 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 a I don't know if the people under, know this part, that I thought was the one thing where everyone wasn't experiencing the same. I can't remember the exact number, but a, a whole bunch of teams went to Orlando with playoff bids already sewed up. We knew, you know, there's only a couple teams in the East by and then there was the, right. you know, half a dozen teams in the West. Sure. All the teams from the West that weren't, didn't have playoff bids sewed up, were all in a different hotel than all the teams from the West that did have playoff bids sewed up, and they're all in a different hotel than all the teams from the East. So you have, let's call it Tower East, Tower West. Yeah. Both upper, you know, upper class hotels, and then you had the vying for the eight seed hotel with these teams from the West. Well, there was only one team that made it through. That's the Blazers. Yeah. They got upgrade because they earned the eight seed. They get moved to a different hotel. I don't know why, but this hotel goes away. The Blazers get upgraded to the nicest hotel in all of Disney World. So right now, the Blazers as the eight seed are staying in the nicest accommodations of anybody that's in the bubble. I thought that was fascinating. Good for them. It is good for them. <laughs> but I said, it just that's the one tweak towards you know, everybody in the West is playing in this hotel or eating this food. They're quarantined with each other. Here's how they are. Everybody in the East over here. Now the Blazers get this totally new experience. What does that do for them? I don't know. I don't know if it's an advantage or not. It's just the only thing that's discernibly different, for sure different. I'm just going to... If you have a family, the circumstances 
uh, how can I say, regardless of what the circumstances are, good, bad, or otherwise, if you are not able to be with your family, I'm talking about, you know, your, your, your spouse, your children, and so forth, for a little while, okay, for a long while, it just isn't okay, and, and, it, and it becomes harder and harder each and every day, no matter what's happening. That said, so, so a lot of guys, uh, uh, you know, players, coaches, even, I mean, commentators, right? They're in here. Everybody that's in there is in here, and that's what it is, okay? That's hard. I mean, just, that, is, that is a tough, tough part of what this is, okay? That said, within the bubble, Get me that ticket. You know what I mean? I mean, this, that is, they, they, they are living a good life inside of that thing. You know what I mean? They got, I think their food is next level. Like, if your freedom. Their food's not next level. Have you seen the tweets about the no, food? No, 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 no. I don't buy, I don't buy this. I don't buy this, man. Really? Yes. Do you realize how, there's, this is the thing that's shifted so much, is I don't think you really comprehend how well a lot of these guys eat. Oh, no one comprehends how well they eat more than I do. Right. Because that's the only thing I care about more than the sport is what did you have for dinner? Right. But there's no way that there's a chef as good as LeBron James' personal chef working the the buffet line in Orlando. I totally disagree. It's just Disney employees. No. We got to get just ribeyes as far as the eye can see. I don't know why they're drinking Bud Lights in there. You know? Is that what they're drinking? I thought it was Miller Lights. Well, whatever. I mean, you know, it ain't your Oscars Blue or whatever it is that you're out there, you know, <laughs> so working much on. free advertising for all these. Um, yeah, it's not. It's fine. Hey, here's what I want to ask you about about Porzingis. I know we're kind of up against it, but he gets ejected yesterday Stupid. in the third quarter, nine minutes. I mean, a lot of game left, and and. The Mavericks were down big early, 30-point swing. Then they were up a great basketball game. He's obviously the next most important player behind Doncic on, on the Mavs. And everybody is up in arms about this ejection because it was it, it was a double technical ejection. The first technical was an automatic for swinging his arm, you know, punching the air angrily at a bad call, which my understanding is it's not even a – it's not even a you know often we think of technical fouls as as judgment calls by the referees but there's certain things that are just like automatic like that you 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 do this you get a technical foul well that's one of the things totally the second technical foul i mean he's going in to stand up for his boy so i appreciate that but he's the one who initiates physical contact with Marquise Morris okay he goes in he gives a push now what if those two actually fought I don't like Porzingis's chances. Not going to go well for Porzingis. No, Porzingis. I always tease that NBA players don't know how to fight, and for the large part, they don't, especially now, because who would ever fight any of these guys? The Morris brothers, the Morris twins. Yeah, will, will, are the be- probably the best fighters in the whole league because they're twins. Because they got each other. Yeah, they've been fighting equal sized guys their whole lives. I mean, they they fought the Kansas football team <laughs> at KU. That is well documented. So yes, I I don't like. Porzingis's reach to be a major factor in that combat. That said, he came over. It was limited contact. Even after it was when it was all done, you know, they talked it out and everything was good and whatever. But the act of escalation, which I think you're pretty hard pressed to say that it wasn't, is also an automatic technical. So 
as much as everybody is is upset because it compromises the game, and it does, and I don't like it either that Porzingis isn't playing now in a huge game that, that Dallas is, you know, very much in. It may have even been winning at that moment in time. Um, I'm not going to sit here and get on the referees and tell them that they did a horrible job. I think that they did the job that they're required to do as it pertains to this. And everybody's been coming up, well, how can we figure this out? How can we figure this out? The only way that this can go differently to me is if you, in fact, implement a weight to the second technical foul because it carries with it the automatic ejection and say... Either either you can get a second technical foul, but if it doesn't uh, reach some egregious level that the automatic ejection isn't isn't part of it, or more, you just say the second technical foul, whatever it is, this set of automatic technical fouls no longer apply if it's the second one and would carry an automatic ejection with it. Because I don't know how you circumvent what it was that he did. What he did was small. What he did was was did not deserve for him to be thrown out of any game to say nothing of a playoff game. Also, the way that the referees are supposed to referee basketball, that's the rules. Like, that's what it is. So I'm not, unless you do something like that, and people have been talking about all these different scenarios about how you can avoid doing this or just don't give them a technical foul. Well, if you're giving Morris a technical foul, you sure have to give Porzingis a technical foul. Right. So I I, I think that... It, you can you can make the second technical foul just a set of things that are that would also be obvious enough that yeah you probably got to go you probably get to heave ho here as well but i am i am not ready to get on the referees on what i saw yesterday even though i hate what ended up happening and as a fan you go well you know really i mean this is a 2-7 matchup and you had the opportunity for the mavs to to get one a big one on the Clippers, the prohibitive favorites. So uh, uh, that is disappointing. I told you this at lunch today, but one thing that uh, we keep trying to talk about all the things that we can and should gain from the weird times that we live in. Hmm. Perspective is certainly one of them, and I, I think that when you become inundated with something, become obsessed with something, make something a, a huge part of your life passionately uh, when you follow it, especially something like sports. Yeah. Oftentimes, as much as you could sit in amazement, you still become numb to a lot of different factors. Watching the NBA, I mean, I'm the biggest NBA junkie that probably anybody knows. And I, I still have been just taking, my breath's been taken away watching these guys lately. But there's certain things that maybe you take for granted that you're reminded of. The one I was when I was watching this Mavs Clippers game last night, the thing I was reminded of twofold was one, how long NBA games are, not in how long that they take to finish, but just how many runs and how many things can happen in a game, mm. and the way that you can swing back and forth. But also the second part is how much you can dominate a game for certain points and how good you can look during certain points of a game. And then when it comes down to it, the great teams, they always find a way to seize control at the end and either win going away or just strangle the life out of you and make sure they get the victory. I thought the Mavs played outstanding last night. They looked like they could go toe-to-toe with one of the best teams in the league. Yeah, even though they were down like 18-2 to to start the game. But then they were up 
10, 12 in the middle of the second quarter. I mean, Doncic threw the ball out of bounds like five times in the first 10 minutes of the game yes. and then ended up turning the ball over 12 times, but then also rallied down 40-plus points, had a minute down to the end. But it's just amazing. That's why Kawhi Leonard is one of, if not the greatest closers in the league right now. He's so steely. He never wavers. And when it comes down to that last three minutes, he's going to get the stop. He's going to mm-hmm. make the score. And Paul George has come around, too. I, I don't know why I ever was skeptical of Paul George, but he's a superstar. He's unbelievable. He was great. He's last great, night. man. Like and you talk about things that guys have added. That little crossover mid-range game that he's got, where he breaks guys off, it's almost as if he learned it from Kawhi. It's unbelievable. But I just think that sometimes we forget that you the Mavs played as well as you can play to win for probably thirty-nine to forty-one minutes of that game. But the first five and the last two, the Clippers own it, and that's the difference. And that's why the teams with great veterans and superstars always come out on top. There's been a lot of high scoring in the bubble. If I told you right now that the Houston Rockets have 55 points with 420 left in the first half, would you say they're winning or losing? Say one more time. Houston. They got 55 points, 420 to go in the second quarter. Yeah. Okay. Do you think they're winning or losing? Well, because you're posing like this, probably losing. They're up 20. Oh, boy. The OKC Thunder have 35 points through over a quarter and a half. So your boy is going to have to uh, get a little sparky going here and uh, help his team out because they uh, they need to go on a run. And you know what? They probably will because it's the NBA. We'll take a break, come back on the other side. Unwritten rules of baseball. They have a place, but not this place. Coulter, during this time where we got to be a little bit socially distanced, it's nice to know we can get out on the links and play a little bit of golf. And nobody better than Western Birch to get your round started right. That's right. Golf's been definitely one of my favorite pastimes during quarantine times. And it's recently landed my new Western Birch customized golf tees. Go check out Western Birch golf tees at westernbirch.com. These classy golf tees are made of 100% white birch hardwood and printed with high quality color right here in the United States. A company founded right here in Montana. These durable wood golf tees, perfect way for you to market your business. Just think, anytime you break a tee, your brand is sitting on the tee box forever. You can hand them out to your clients, your buddies, your golf partners, whoever. Great way to earn top of mind awareness while also playing a sport we all love. Again, you can check out all the cool designs online at westernbirch.com. Add your logo on a thousand of any of their tees for $150 delivered to your door. Give them to clients, friends, watch them get impressed by the quality of the look of a simple golf tee and by your creativity. Give Western Birch the opportunity to show you what they're talking about. Email and ask for Chad at info at westernbirch.com, info at westernbirch.com, or follow on Instagram and Facebook, westernbirch.com. If you want to listen to the show live, you go online, 1029ESPN.com. The stream is available all the time on the website. There on the Listen Live tab. We're trying to help you out by making it very intuitive. Listen Live on the Listen Live tab. The stream is available. Thanks to Opportunity Bank of Montana. Opportunity Bank, your local bank, your opportunity. Uh, Coulter, yesterday... Fernando Tatis Jr., your boy, San Diego Padres, 
went yard and I think the sixth or seventh inning on a three one three run home run and put the Padres well ahead of the Texas Rangers. I believe it was a seven run game when he came up to bat in the eighth inning. Had the bases loaded. Ian Jabot is throwing for pitching for uh, the Texas Rangers. And evidently, uh, Tatis missed, whether it was on purpose or not, the uh, take signal from the uh, first base coach or third base coach or whatever. And you know what he did on the 3-0 pitch? Yard. Grand salami giving uh, the uh, Padres, I think, an 11-run advantage at that point in the eighth inning. The next pitch, Jabot throws at Manny Machado, who I think he missed him. I think he threw it behind him. Maybe he did beat him. I don't even know if he hit him or not. Dumb. Um, he got now today, Jabot, a three-game uh, uh, suspension for, for that. And also Rangers manager Chris Woodward received a one-game suspension as a result of his pitcher's actions and by the way Woodward was up on the top step barking at Tatis as he came around you know third on his way home on the home run now some of the unwritten rules of baseball I understand some of them I don't understand but I feel like I would if I played and so I'm okay with this the Rangers got to shut up we are talking about what is it professional baseball what's the goal don't let the other team score runs are you a professional pitcher you got a professional defense hey let me ask you this in the eighth inning why are the bases loaded and you've worked yourself into a 3-0 count against the best young player in baseball maybe don't do that and then you don't have the chance of giving up the grand salami for the ultimate humiliation get over this (laughs) i 100 percent agree and I mean, it's it's like little league baseball to know that even if you have a three zero count, if you have a power hitter at the plate, you don't just throw one down the pipe. You try to throw a strike, you try to paint the corner, but you don't just give them some cheese. Well, the other thing too is running up the score in football or even in basketball to some extent. You can see it because the scoring happens a little bit more often, certainly a lot more often in basketball, and you can kind of see the development of the game. And also, football is often a lot more about the clock than the score. There well, there's no clock in baseball, is there? And runs are much harder to come by. And I know you're up seven. I don't care if you're up 70. You're going to just not swing at a pitch down the middle because you're up there? What do you want to do, just take a strike? No. The, the Texas Rangers could take a long walk on this one. You're all morons. That was your Burn Street Bistro Burn of the Week. I'm glad they suspended Woodward, too. Not just the pitcher. Get the manager, too, for just being annoying about this. By the way, would you like to know what Tatis did today? What did he do? The Rangers are up. Excuse me. The, the Padres are up, I think, like five or six runs late in the game. Guess who's back on the mound before the suspension? Your boy, Jabot. Steals third. <laughs> I love it. Love it. He, he steals, you know, you don't want to throw, you want to throw Machado? Guess what I'm going to do? I'm going to take a bag because I can. Baseball should worry about 
not all the dumb unwritten rules, but making guys like Fernando Tatis Jr. superstars. Yeah. That's what they should worry about. Well, and also, now, granted, the Rangers don't need to worry about that, you know, but this looks idiotic. They, they, they don't, but... I mean, it's not their job to make him a superstar. And by the way, baseball isn't advocating for this, clearly, because they did suspend, at least for a couple of games, the people involved in this. But I'm I'm over all that. It's 2 Tell Nuanas, 10290 ESPN Radio. On the other side, University of Montana softball team got had a very, very nice Monday. I'll tell you why next. At Blackfoot Communications, we're experts at keeping your business technology up and running. From networks and security to communications and 24-7 support, our team works with you to understand your technology demands, then deploys the right solution for your unique needs. Whether your company is just starting out or is looking to take the next step, Blackfoot is here to help. Call 866-541-5000 or visit goblackfoot.com business. Blackfoot, connect to more. Telling Nuanas, watch 90 ESPN Radio, SWX Montana Television. Let me move that mic out so you can see the full left profile, my better side. Um, I got all my teeth. Congratulations. Thanks, Mark Messer. Messer Family Dental. 68-52 at halftime. They did close <laughs> the league just a little bit. Uh, scored what? They scored 17 points in the last four minutes and 20 seconds. Uh, did I love how, it's like a, love how it's like a 50% chance that a team's going to score 60 in the first half in the bubble. Bro, I, I'm telling you, they're, they're lighting it up in there. I'm, I think there's a lot of factors to it, but I really think the small gym is conducive to shooting, man. It yeah, like is 100% is, man. And I guarantee you that way more guys are getting in their work. Yeah. It's, yeah. The biggest, it's the biggest misperception in the NBA, man. Ray Allen talks about it all the time. He's like, dude, everybody thinks that everybody shoots like I shoot. Nobody shoots like I shoot. Most dudes go to practice for two hours. Most dudes don't pull Kobe Bryant eight hours in the gym every day. Remember when everybody was worried, like, are we going to see a diluted product? Are we going to see, you know, ugly-looking basketball because, you know, these guys haven't played? So this is like the best-looking basketball I've seen. For sure. And, and there's like this narrative bouncing around right now that – Oh, nobody's the one thing is nobody's playing defense in the bubble. Yes, they are. You just can't guard dudes when they're shooting lights out Dude. like this. How you got guard Dame Lord when he's shooting from the freaking logo? Just for the record, Pat Bev played some defense in the bubble last night. That's right. So and they, and the my Mavs, boy, but the Mavs still scored what one twenty? Yeah, but and, but not enough. Not not enough. Exactly. Uh, it is to tell Nuanas. It is one hundred two ninety ESPN Radio. And uh, if you would like to listen. And you missed any part of the show, you go to the podcast, the Two Tell Nuanas podcast, available on all your favorite podcasting platforms. Rate, review, subscribe. We appreciate that. Go ahead and do that anytime you'd like. The podcast is available. Thanks to Alpine Touch and Blackfoot Communications. <clears throat> Coulter, this was a big deal uh, yesterday. It's a big deal today as well. And I think certainly worth just taking a moment to, uh, to take note. But yesterday, William Potter who uh, is, uh, well, now I guess you would say a booster, certainly a friend of the University of Montana, uh, gave Melanie Michael, who is the head coach of the uh, University of Montana softball team, a 
check for $110,000, excuse me, first of all, a gift of $100,000 to establish the William Potter Memorial Scholarship Fund, and that is an estate gift, right? So at the time that you pass, this has been reserved to create, you know, opportunities down the road for, for, for future uh, softball players. So phenomenal thing to do. Then turned around and just gave a straight check of an additional hundred and ten thousand dollars to to uh, Ms. Michael for the team here and now, and you know we talk about the millions of dollars you know for things like football, even for basketball and stuff like that. But the the non revenue sports, which actually the University of Montana softball is as big a revenue sport as they have in the spring. Right, no question. I mean, it's it, it their is, best yeah. revenue sport, but nonetheless, it's still, uh, you know, it's still a sport that is not, you know, it's, it's like many of the other sports in terms of, you know, it 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 needs the funding to go. Talking about getting six figures from from you know an individual for what you need, especially now, right? I mean, you're talking about we don't know how many coaches are even going to be able to stay around, maybe hopefully head coaches and stuff like that, but assistant coaches and, and so forth. Like, we don't know what that's going to look like as a financial reality of this crisis that we're in here. And you, I don't know what this money goes toward. I don't know how it gets you know earmarked and allotted and so forth. What I do know is for a program like a softball team at a university, that is a gargantuan sum. And that makes, I mean, such a monstrous impact for for that, and people go, you know, I, I don't know what people, I think this is unbelievable. I think this is awesome. I can understand why people might go, well, you know, is that, you know, is that really what you want to do with it? But also, people give money to football all the time, and people don't, you know, they they do bat an eye, but, you know, they go, it's just sort of a thing that happens. How much bigger an impact for this particular circle and in this particular sport will that money make than, you know, then the same amount, be it a, a, a huge figure, even for, but for like a football team that's on a multi-million dollar sort of, of level of, of revenue and expense. And well, this is a, this is a big, big deal. And so tip of the cap to both uh, William Potter and Melanie Michael. And, and what, what has really grown into uh, uh, what I think is a, a civic and community relationship that exists between the softball team and, and members of, of Western Montana. We talk all the time about the impact that Champion Center has had and will have on football. Right. We haven't talked much at all about the impact it's going to have on other sports. All the other sports are using it as well. It's a mm-hmm. huge benefit. Mm-hmm. No doubt. All the way across the board. So if you look at the University of Montana softball program, even as, even as um, amazing as the facilities that the University of Montana football and men's basketball team have, there's still so much that they don't have compared to so many other teams around the country and even some teams just around the region and in, in the conference. I mean, Montana's still playing catch up to North Dakota State and South Dakota State, even though in, in some ways, right? It, just in the indoor practice facility side of things and full cost of attendance and things like that. So there's always more that they need. University of Montana softball team, they've already established a winning tradition. That's one of the hardest things to do. They've only been around for a handful of years. They already got it. They already have great recruiting pipelines to multiple different regions, including the one in state, which is huge and impactful because there's great softball here. They already have a great facility, one of the best facilities in the big sky, right out the gates mm-hmm. with the turf and, and you know how well maintained it is, the way you can be a, a true spectator sport in a, a town that's interested about it. So all those things, they're already 
towards the leading the pack, if not leading the pack. And then they also have the champion center. So now when you get this sort of impact, this donation, now you can use it for all the extras. Mm. Now you can get the nicest equipment. Now you can travel a lot more efficiently. You can, you know, eat at a nicer place on the road. You don't have to necessarily sit commercial on all your, on all your road trips, like all those different things that matters, being able to travel efficiently and being able to recruit, uh, at a more efficient level. I mean, right. all those things help. And so I think that this is a huge impact because this would be like if Montana was already had everything that they needed in football and then they got a huge donation on top of it. This is It's like that because it, it helps them get the things that can put your program over the top and make you a perennial NCAA tournament team. Well, I'll tell you what. For just starting a program now about five years ago, right, that the softball program came to be at the University of Montana, they've done it right. I mean – I haven't seen, I'm completely ignorant of the facilities and the other fields that the rest of the Big Sky Conference and Weber State and, and, and so forth are playing in. I would be I would be amazed if anybody's home field stands anything is is you know at the level that it is at the University of Montana. And of course being new, you get that benefit of it, but they've already done again a privately funded addition to that and now they have this and we'll see, you know, where that goes. But uh, uh congratulations. I know that's a a wonderful thing and we're excited for for coach Michael and the rest of that program over there to uh, to have it. All right. Tuesday done deal. We send you out to the bubble for the second half of the Oklahoma City Thunder and Houston Rockets. Rockets up 68-52, a 16-point lead at the half, which means nothing whatsoever. This is the NBA, people. Enjoy little NBA playoff basketball here on ESPN Radio. We'll be back with you tomorrow. I'll get you some wings. How does that sound? Sounds great to me. Two telling you on ESPN. Get commencement ready at the Montana State Bookstore, your best place for blue and gold on game day or any other day. Their grad fair sale is going on right now if you visit msubookstore.org. Free regalia when you purchase a diploma frame at the MSU Bookstore. You can obviously visit the MSU Bookstore on the Montana State campus. The Montana State Bookstore Store, your best place for blue and gold on game day or any other day. Visit on campus or at msubookstore.org.